0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, streaming live on the Seattle
1: Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
1: and Bob Stelton. Our thanks to Shannon Dreher, who hung out with us for the first two hours. Dave Wyman out sick today. Shannon had to move on to uh, better things. So Mike Lefko in for the remainder of the day. We got much to discuss. We got El Hombre, Michael Bradley joining us at five o'clock, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, but I sent you a couple of these things last night, Mike. Some of the just and again, the, these power rankings and odds and all that, they're conversation pieces. To me, to me it's just kind of a it's it's a way to see how we we the Seattle teams are viewed from the outside. That's just, you know, we're so close to the Mariners and Seahawks and things like that, it's hard to get an objective view. So they've got the way too early odds for next football season. They've got uh, they've got the projections uh, for the uh, Super Bowl winners for next season. And surprise, not surprisingly, depending on which one you look at, the 49ers are the favorite or the Chiefs are the favorite, just depending on which which. I'm shocked by that. It's stunning. <laughs> But what was consistent in in the couple that I that I sent to you is that the the Seahawks they have they have them at sixty six to one. They have them like wait like there's literally teams like the the um, the Bears teams with worse records, some with new coaches as well, uh, that they have better odds at the Super Bowl than the Seattle Seahawks, which I found amazing. The Seahawks were a winning team. They were in the playoffs the year before. They had the same exact record as they had the year before. They've got what most people considered the best young coach that was available out there, Mike McDonald. He had one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and he's got he ran the best defense in the NFL in terms of scoring. E- even if you improve this defense to a marginal level, which they were below, wouldn't wouldn't that rationale tell you that this is going to be a better team than they were last year? I'm I'm, I'm a little surprised that there's that. And, and listen, this is before the draft. This is before we know what rosters look like, who's coming, who's going. We don't know who's staying, all that. So all this can change. It is just conversation. But it, just on first blush, I'm like, huh. It felt like this coach would be a step up, an improvement. This team was right there. They're a game out of the playoffs. And teams like the Bears or Vikings, you've got as better odds. And in, in the Falcons, brand new coach there. I find that interesting. Yeah, the only one that doesn't make sense to me would be the Falcons. I think
0: you could have a pretty decent explanation for a team like the Jets, assuming Aaron Rodgers is healthy. uh, The Vikings, if Kirk Cousins is back and if he doesn't get hurt, the Bears getting the number one pick. So high on that. But what this tells me, all those things you just mentioned about the Seahawks, is there are a lot more unknowns than we might be looking at. So, yes, the defense should improve. But. How does Mike McDonald do as a first-time head coach? That's the question that obviously loomed over our entire discussion about, well, are they taking a risk by hiring a coordinator to be a first-time head coach? Yes. And while we can expect the defense to improve, you might have to look at the offense as potentially taking a step back because you're putting in a head coach who's not familiar with that side of the ball, and you're bringing in an offensive coordinator who's never been a coordinator at that level. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of new ideas and concepts taking place on the offensive side. So it's almost like, hey, you got to start from scratch. Don't look at 9-8 and eight last year. Don't look at the last few seasons of the Seahawks being good. In my mind, this is a Seahawks team. You have no idea what to expect because of how players will respond to coaching, because of what we were talking about. You said, hey, free agency, draft, all those things that still have to be sorted out. And that kind of seems to me the national perception of the Seahawks is that there are a lot of questions, and they aren't so high on them yet.
1: Yeah, again, I get, I get having questions. I get the uncertainty of a new head coach, but you've got teams ahead of them. First of all, the Jets are a dumpster fire. You got infighting. You got Sala out there combating. You know, word getting leaked out about this, that, and the other. You got Zach Wilson being ripped by ownership. You got, I mean, is is a forty year old Aaron Rodgers the cure to every one of their ails? I mean, he's out there calling people chicken bleep for letting stuff leak out of the building. I mean, they were a disaster. They were. Um and then you, you they've got better odds. The Falcons have a new head coach. Uh the Chargers have a new head coach. The the Bears they have a head, the Bears are going to have presumably a rookie quarterback in Caleb Williams and they were not a good team this year. And you're going to throw a rookie into the mix. That's the thought. They've got better odds. Vikings, you're right. Kirk Cousins will see if he comes back. He's a free agent. Not sure if he's going to come back um to that team. But I I was just I was stunned going, "Wait, you've got the Jets?" The Falcons, the Bears, Chargers—they've got a new head coach. I know Harbaugh is one at this level, and he's—he's he's a winner, but still a new head coach. If we're worried about you know a new system, new terminology, that's true of any team with a new head coach, whether they've been in the NFL or not. So I just—I don't know. Some of those teams, I'm going. Why? Why would this team have better odds than the Seattle Seahawks? Again, it's—it's it's, this isn't anything super uh, serious. It's just sort of the outside perspective. These are the Vegas odds, I guess, at this point. Interesting that there's that little faith. And I guess maybe maybe I'm too bullish on the Seahawks. My expectation is not that they take a step back. I don't look at this and go, well, you know, and I know Dave kind of said it and we were going to have that conversation. We still will when he, when he heals or gets better or whatever's going on. But he, you know, he had a feeling that, you know, new coaching staff, maybe they take a step back before they step forward. I'm going, well, defensively you couldn't step any further back. You're already at the back offensively, this is a middle-of-the-road-at-best offense last year. So how how much further back is it going to go with a new coordinator? My expectation is this is a better team. I feel like this should be a playoff team. Again, saying that without knowing what the final roster looks like, don't know who's going to be coming back from the current roster. you bring bringing Bobby Wagner back, Jordan Brooks, Devin Bush. Are those guys coming back? Any of them coming back? One of them? Who knows? So I get the uncertainty, but – I don't know. My my expectation with with this coaching staff is that this becomes a better team. Is it is it, you know, five wins better, three wins better? No, but I think that I think this should be a better team. I'm expecting that this should be a playoff team.
0: Here's why I would say I could see them taking a step back. So more in line with what kind of Wyman was getting at. Now, there is precedent. Sean McVay came in right away, took over a Rams team and he won eleven games his first year. Then they went to the Super Bowls next year. Mm-hmm. But for the Seahawks team, you're trying to get out of mediocrity. So, making the playoffs in 9-8 and eight two years ago, okay, you, you did it. You made the playoffs, but you didn't really have a chance to beat the Niners. 9-8, nine and eight, again, this past season, you don't make the playoffs. So, to get rid of Pete Carroll, you're saying we're going in a completely new direction. We are not just building to make the playoffs. So, if the expectation is to make the playoffs, yeah, they got better. But I could see them taking a step back. If they come in and Mike McDonald and John Schneider think, look, we don't want to get to the playoffs. We have to win a Super Bowl, and the way to do that is to tear down. Not tear down completely, but to make some moves that might be considered bold in order to accentuate what you do well, to get to that next level. Because if you find yourself in a situation where maybe you're stuck in an offense that you need more impact pieces, you need more draft picks, or in a defense that guys who we think could be impact players, if this staff and this new set of eyes doesn't like them, it might require some roster overhaul. Mm -hmm. So we're going into this thinking, okay, look, all the pieces you have back – yeah, maybe uh, the defense should improve because of those guys. Maybe the offense, what they have, is there. But if the Seahawks don't see it that way, if they say, "Look, this is a mediocre team, and we need to make a bold move to get better," it might require a little tiny step back in this next season. So that's that's one aspect of it. And then, yeah, I think you know we can get into the the coaching aspect of it as well. That yes, with a guy like Mike McDonald, you expect the defense to be better. The great unknown, obviously, is. The learning curve. How long does that take for him to understand his players and vice versa, of players to learn how he likes to coach and if they'll buy into what he's preaching?
1: Uh, you guys can text in 866 3776 powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. A lot of people offering up opinions as to why their, their odds are so low. I get I get questions about new coach, new OC. They have a coach that totally makes sense. You're all right. You know, we don't know what the rosters are going to be. But all I'm saying is some of those elements are true for other teams. New coaches, presu- presumably new quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, teams that were worse than the Seahawks last year having better odds. So you got you got some teams in a similar position with new staffs coming in, new offensive and defensive coordinators, don't have certainty at the quarterback position. But just you know, just interesting that that's how it's how it's being viewed from the outside. But I'm I'm curious for Seahawks fans, what's your expectation for the upcoming season? Is this a playoff team? Do you feel like all right, new coach that we were we were mired in mediocrity, we were just kind of spinning our wheels and just kind of hanging around nine wins and yeah, you made it the year before, but you didn't make it last year. Defense was bad. Do you do you expect them to be better this year? Or are you are you anticipating a step back? I'm curious for Seahawks fans. You can text in your response, eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Mack and Jacks Brewing Company. Are the Seahawks better or worse next year in your opinion? And uh, it's kind of unfair because again, we don't know what the roster is going to look like. There's a lot of they're going to be a lot of faces on here that we're we are not familiar with right now. What's
0: interesting is I think that this group this offseason has tougher decisions than Pete Carroll and John Schneider did before last season. So, coming off a 9-8 and eight playoff year, you really had a lot of your free, free agency questions answered. This year, you have some tough cap decisions. They didn't have that last year. You have the Tyler Lockett decision. I know Brady Henderson has mentioned this, that $28 million against the cap for Tyler Lockett's not feasible. Something's going to have to happen there. And mm-hmm. you're dealing with a veteran, so there might be a pride factor there. And all indications are, because Tyler Lockett is you know a great teammate, a great guy that... They'll work something out, but you have to deal with that. You have the big Jamal Adams question mark, and now Mm -hmm. Jamal Adams that you thought going into this past season was in a more stable place and didn't have to worry about that contract. Now you do because Mm -hmm. of his injury history. So you have to worry about Jamal Adams. You have to worry about a Tyler Lockett contract, and then you still might have some quarterback uncertainty. So we'll find that out on Thursday, which we expect that they won't release Geno Smith, but that would happen by Thursday. So you have all these decisions that I don't think – that they had to make last year. So that goes into the whole process of this roster might be in tougher shape. Not to mention what you and Dave have talked about, the looming question overall of free agency. You do not have any linebackers right now. You don't Mm -hmm. have Bobby Wagner. You don't have Jordan Brooks. So there are just so many unknowns that I can see from the outside why the perception of the Seahawks might be down
1: going into this year. Yeah, it's in as far as the Geno decision, to me, that's not a decision. Yeah, me either. He's got to be back. I mean, I understand there's a date where money becomes guaranteed. I understand that you need to bring that up because you're talking about the the entire salary cap. The idea that they're going to cut Geno loose makes no sense to me. It it just doesn't. You don't you don't really know. And Drew Locke is not signed. Drew Locke is a free agent. You don't have a quarterback. Right. No quarterbacks. If, no linebackers. Yeah. Now you you you. I guess if they did that, they would do it with the assumption they could bring in Drew Lock. But what? Why would you think he's going to be better than what Geno's given you? He we saw him. Briefly, just a brief sample. Maybe he would be. There is that chance, but that's you can count on what you've seen from Gino. You have a sense of what you can count on week in, week out, where you don't have that with Drew Log. You don't know. It could be better, could be a lot worse. So I don't I don't look at Gino as being this big decision they need to make. I think it's already made. If they if they let him go, I will be stunned. I will hold my hand up and say I was 100 percent wrong. I thought there's no way they were gonna let him go, and they did. I just I, that move. Wouldn't make sense to me. It just wouldn't. Two oh six says I kind of feel like coaching held them back last year, so I expect them to improve. Um, I ex- I expect that this defense improves if, if the offense stays where it's at. Like I said, if you want to break down individuals, you know how were they in terms of running, passing, scoring? Everything was just kind of middle of the road to a little bit below. They were they were they were a little below average. If they could maintain that. With the new OC, who we don't know what to expect, hasn't done it at this level, saw what he did at the the University of Washington. So how about just keeping it where it's at, but you bring in that defensive mind to address a defense that was bad. This was a bad defense last year. It was bad the year before. It's been a bad defense for a number of years. So if he can just bring them up a few notches, if he brings them from 29th to, I don't know, 17th, 18th, is that worth a win or two? Offense stays the same not holding a grub to to a standard of hey this this has got to be a top 10 offense just pretend he keeps hypothetically he keeps it there and that McDonald with his defensive mind and his approach that we saw with with Baltimore brings it up to even like i said even below the middle of the pack 18th how are they not a better team than they were last year
0: yeah that's uh that's a great way to look at it it's just assuming that everything goes smoothly and there's no unexpected you know first year head coach Has to learn the locker room. He has to learn how to deal with pros. I know Brock mentioned when he was talking about, you know, what's there to like and what's there to be potentially nervous about with Ryan Grubb is that his style might not translate right away to pros because Mm -hmm. you're dealing with different, you're dealing with men, you're dealing with professionals instead of college kids who uh, are used to being, you know, taught and they'll accept most of what you'll tell them so how do these coaches adapt to that style as you're filling out a staff that yeah again back to the first time head coach there are all these things that'll pop up that mike mcdonald might not even know he has to deal with now yeah. i have no doubt that soon this team will be very good much better than they've so you, been you, in the last year. you expect
1: years. them to take a step back next i think year. it's going to be gonna right be, what, around the same
0: eight and nine yeah they're going to be a losing team next yeah. year eight or nine or, or nine or eight again i don't know if they'll get better next year all the pieces are still there. It's just mm-hmm. the uncertainty and what has to happen with the defense, because there are so many questions on defense with the linebackers. Uh, you might need to upgrade talent-wise in the defensive line and on the offensive line. You don't know if uh, a guy like—and not to single him out—but this was a guy who drew some negative attention last year, uh, Tariq Woolen. If he fits in with what this group does, maybe some of the stuff that we saw—if he's not coachable—and I'm not going to say he isn't—just if. This coaching staff comes in and says, you know what? We're not going to let things slide this year. And some players don't mesh with that. You kind of have to have some roster turnover. So all those things that go into a year one, you've seen what can go badly. But I have no doubt this team will be better soon and much better than the ceiling that they were hitting these last few years. Well, and that's soon, why the move soon happened. is
1: a relative term, though. I mean, like
0: it's two just... years. Like I think they can get to a championship, a conference championship game in two years,
1: maybe even a Super Bowl. But I, th- I think they should be better next year. I do. And again, I know I'm saying this without knowing who's on the roster. I just think Ben McDonald is a proven commodity as a defense of mine. It's going to be his defense. And the biggest problem with this team last year was defense. It was not offense. Offense wasn't great, but the defense was problematic. The defense was an impediment. And a lot of it was basics. It wasn't about all talent and tackling. It's tackling. It's guys that that were abandon their their responsibilities. You're supposed to have the a gap. This guy's over here. This guy's going under blocks. I mean, Wyman sending us videos every mm-hmm. day. To me, that's about just uh, an emphasis in the way that you coach. And I think when you bring in a guy that like McDonald that's got a defensive mind and that is where he excels, as we saw with Baltimore. That I don't. I don't think expecting this defense to go from the bottom of the league, which is where they're at in a ton of categories: 29th, thirtieth, twenty eighth. Bad. I'm not asking him to make them top 10. Just get them up into the teens. Get them up in the 18. I think that represents maybe another win. And if the offense can just stay, they don't even need to improve. Just be what you were last mm-hmm. year, essentially. But the defense comes up. How? It, again, I understand there, there are a lot of variables. We don't know the players. We Injuries, blah, blah, blah. I just I I don't I don't think I'm out of out of bounds by thinking they should be a little bit better than they were last year.
0: A little bit better might also not make the playoffs though. Maybe because, it doesn't but because if, the issue is you're also reliant on every other team.
1: And so yes, yeah. the Seahawks could be much so better and they, they might even get, get win ten wins, games, but not win? make the playoffs. I could live with that. Okay, you improved. Hey, so did the rest of the the uh, division and the conference. So you didn't make it, but defense went from 29th, twenty eighth to eighteenth. Offense was relatively the same, but ten wins wasn't enough. As a Seahawk fan, yeah, bummer. But you were better. You that you showed improvement, which gives me, which is a springboard for the next season. So that's what I
0: hope more of is that it's expectations are built on improvement rather than end result playoffs or bust mm. should not be the expectation next yeah, year. I just, they that's need fair to, be to hope. Yeah, that's fair to hope. But if you have the tangible, yeah, like you said, if this defense improves just five spots, if it gets better, yeah. the results might not necessarily be there. If say the Vikings make the playoffs now, because Kirk cousins, isn't hurt. If you have another team rise right. up in the NFC store, you know, I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to be good all of a sudden, but you can go down the list and say, look, Eagles, Cowboys, maybe again, lions, Packers, Vikings, Rams. And all of a sudden you're out of a playoff spot right. again. So, you aren't wholly reliant on just your record getting you in. Um, So to say playoffs or or bust is the expectation. That's a bit unfair, which I think some fans are saying that's the problem.
1: No, I'll, 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 I'll change that. I'll say, you've got to improve. If they win 10 games next year and they don't make the playoffs, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Be bummed. As a CR fan, I'll be bummed, but to me, I'm looking at it going, hey, brought in new coaching staff, new faces on the roster. You were a game better than you were the year before. This gives me hope for what's to come in the following season when everybody's used to the terminology and the system and blah, blah, blah. I would be at peace with that. I would be at peace with that. But if you if you give me an eight and nine season or you give me a seven and ten season, I'm going, hang on a minute. What do we got going on here? Well, look at the uh,
0: trajectory of NFL coach hires now. Like six years has been the standard. We saw that with Dave Canales in Carolina, and six years was given out here to Mike McDonald. So there's an understanding that it's not going to be a quick, immediate fix. Now, Seahawks are in a much better position than any other team. If you looked around the the coaching cycle, it was funny that some people didn't think the Seahawks were the most ideal spot to go in. Because Mm -hmm. out of all these teams... They were the one with the winning record, and they were the one that theoretically would be in the best shape moving forward. So I think they are closer to getting past where all these other teams are who are bringing in new head coaches. It's just, it's that really tough step to go from a good, solid playoff contender to a great, dominant team in a conference. I fully believe they'll get there within the next two to three years. The ceiling's going to be much higher than it had been any time in the last five to six seasons, but it's really tough to take that step,
1: especially in year one. I'm not understanding the Geno thing. I mean, and this is coming from maybe the biggest Geno skeptic. Wait, do people want Geno gone? Yeah, I'll be uh, surprised mm. and disappointed if they hang on to Geno. Admitting defeat out of the gate. Let them clean house and restructure. Uh, it says, but then you're probably looking at Geno being the reason why you don't get further. Oh, um, this will be a good discussion to have further because... You can count on Geno yeah. Smith not seeing wide open receivers with four or five yard separation. Geno is not a quarterback on a Super Bowl type of team. Uh, in this day and age, he is not as good as Brock Purdy. As long as he starts, the season is a wash. No hope for Super Bowl contention. To me, Gino was the least of your problem. I'm not trying to sell you on that he's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that at all. But look at what he did. He's not why a lot. Did he make every pass? Did he see every open receiver? No, he didn't. But who does? I I, I don't know. I think I feel like we're holding him to a crazy standard. I don't think anybody's well, trying to yeah. sell you that he is an elite. Top five quarterback in this league. I don't believe that, but he's not. Why you're not going further? Your defense was atrocious. They were awful. They were a problem. Gino was the least of your problem. I don't. I don't. I feel like those are the people we talked about who had the same opinion I had. I called him duct tape. I said he's he's a placeholder till they get their guy. But I feel like they. Based on evidence presented, didn't change their opinion. They just said, Nope, this is what I thought in the beginning, and that's what I think now.
0: Well, this will be fun because we can have this conversation for the next few weeks. There is no quarterback outside of you bringing in a free agent, which is going to cost you a significant amount of money. There's no quarterback next year that'll put you in a better position to win games than Geno Smith. You're not going to draft a rookie where you're sitting at 16 and have him come in, and you're all of a sudden a better team. You're not going to get one of those quarterbacks. There's no immediate fix. For a quarterback next year outside of Geno Smith, that'll lead you to a better place than they are right now. Especially yeah. with all the pieces around him. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know a, who's... That's a, that's a, strange, it's a strange idea. I, you know, I get it. The quarterback gets an inordinate amount of the criticism. So certainly when the offense wasn't performing, it falls on the quarterback. And we just saw Patrick Mahomes, the greatest you know in the modern era to do it right now. So yes, the comparisons are made of, you need a quarterback like that. Well, yeah, I'd love that's, a quarterback that's like tough that. to get there's like three yeah. of those in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's rarity. outside of that, Geno Smith's a very good option to win you football games. As you were saying, Bob, when all the other pieces around him are doing well and doing better yeah. than they did last year.
1: Yeah, it's odd. It's, it's really, and Hey, you're entitled to your opinion. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I just, I don't, I, I, I was there with you. I'm telling you, I was right there with you. but he's played decidedly better than I ever thought he could or would. And to me, he's kind of the perfect bridge guy, you know, whether they draft a young guy this year, we'll see what they do. Um, But I don't know. I just look in and if you're just going with a checklist of biggest problems from the top to bottom, he's towards the bottom. He's towards uh, the bottom. I realized that
0: Shannon Dreyer left her phone in here, and now she is pacing back and forth, desperately waiting for us to go to break. So why don't we just uh, blow out the break, go ooh, ooh, ooh. go live for the whole hour? Left and, goes uh, see what's happening.
1: one nine hundred calls from there, and he's well, yeah. Well, I, I was about to say something to you, Bob. I was like, "Is that your? No,pe That's not your phone. No. Shannon left her phone in here." Well, two oh uh, six said <laughs> that person's an idiot for thinking Brock Purdy is good. Well, that's that's. I, I'm guessing that sarcasm. I'm I'm hoping that's sarcasm. Uh, hey, a reminder, the John Schneider show begins this Thursday a week earlier than we thought. This Thursday at 4 o'clock, Dave and I will be out there at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center, so make sure to tune in every Thursday starting this Thursday until the NFL draft, including our interview with the Seahawks GM the night of the first round of the draft on April 25th. All right, coming up, Super Bowl champs might provide some defensive help for the Seahawks this offseason. Tell you what we're talking about next. It's Wyman and Bob Lefko in for Wyman. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob,
0: powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio
1: on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, El Hombre, Michael Bradley joins us on the program. Make sure you stay tuned for that conversation here with Wyman and Bob. Wyman out sick today. We got Mike Lefko sitting in with us, and we're talking about the Seahawks and uh, the Super Bowl champs. As we said, may provide some defensive help. And that's usually where free agency comes in. Now we'll see what they, they've stated. They stated before the game that Chris Jones, who is a free agent, is a priority. Uh Legeria Sneed, who is a free agent, is a priority. So I assume they're going to get something done with those guys. It gets that's, expensive though. Oh, it does, but they're, you know, they're going to rework uh Mahomes contract. They're going to rework what they need to rework. I mean, Chris Jones was a freaking stud in that game. He was a problem. He was a massive problem. We talked about it with Schlereth. There was the one where, for some reason, he comes unblocked on what could have been the game-winning touchdown from Brock Purdy. Literally was not touched and alters the throw. Purdy had to dump the ball or take Mm -hmm. the sack. Uh, They end up kicking a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown there. And then he was a problem throughout the game. But uh, projected value for him, $28.4 million. He would be huge. I would love to have that guy. Now you could look at the, some of these other players on their list. Uh, they need linebackers as we sit right now. Not sure what their plan is with Jordan Brooks. What is their plan with Devin Bush? What is their pa- plan with Bobby Wagner? None of those guys are signed. They're all free agents. I'd be stunned if they let all three go. I would I would think they'd make an attempt to bring Jordan Brooks back. But we'll see. We'll see what they do there. But you got two linebackers from this team. Uh, Drew Tranquil, who Dave has uh, talked about a number of times, he made three million last year. Not sure what his price tag will be this year. And then Willie Gay uh, is another linebacker from that team. <clears throat> Excuse me, made one point three last year for the team. So maybe a cherry pick a couple players off that team. I'm not. Sure. We'll see how Mike McDonald feels about them. He's obviously been in the AFC and has probably a better working knowledge of of the Chiefs and what they have defensively. So we'll we'll sort of just put our trust in him, but. I don't know, and then we we talked about this yesterday, where Hassan Reddick, he's saying he never asked for a trade. He came out today oh, and so, said, I never it. asked that." Uh, this, you know, I get that it's business, but this doesn't come from me. And this is a guy who, with the Cardinals, hadn't lived up to any of the ex- expectations. With the Eagles, he's maybe exceeded them. So he looks like a nice player to have, but at what cost? Well, I think you look at this
0: and going back to the Chiefs for a second, you know, it gets so expensive to keep all these guys. Everyone wants to get paid. You know, the Seahawks dealt with that and that's that's part of the reason why in the NFL it's nearly impossible to go back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Nearly because the Chiefs just did it, but no one has ever won 3 in a row because it just gets so pricey. And if Chris Jones is projected to make over 28 million. Legereus Sneed by Spotrack projected to make 16.3 million. Well, the Chiefs only have 22 million in cap space. So, yeah, they can rework things, but if your priorities are those two guys, you're going to have good linebackers hit the market. So, a guy mm-hmm. like Drew Tranquil who had a one-year, $3 million deal last year, came over from the Chargers. They didn't want him after his rookie deal ran out. That was a guy that we kind of highlighted. We went through all those free agents last offseason and mm-hmm. said, this is a, a guy that, you don't know, he's got something to prove. He did prove it with the Chiefs. So just kind of going off of Spotrak, where Michael Giannitti, who we've had on before, he did his kind of NFL Super Bowl projections on all these guys, and he thinks Tranquil will, will sign a $7 million per year contract. Now that's very doable. So that immediately jumped out to me. Okay, here's a guy on a team where you didn't overly rely on your linebackers because you know your secondary was so good. Chris Jones was so good. The Seahawks may be a little different situation. They, they need their linebackers a little bit more. But if you believe he can grow into that role, that's someone who is gettable, that you can help build around, mm-hmm. because we don't know if you're going to get a high-price free agent. The Seahawks are flush up against the salary cap, and they have some big decisions as well. So, we're just looking at the Chiefs. I think, uh, yeah, Drew Tranquil would, would really jump out. And then, yeah, trading gets interesting with like a guy for Hassan Redick, but... It's tough if you're the Seahawks. You don't have many uh, assets to trade right now.
1: Yeah, I, I I would be stunned if they pulled off something with with uh, with with Redick in the way of a trade just because of the draft capital that would have to be attached and and they've made some moves uh, to to acquire other players that have that have eaten into that. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Tranquil seems like he fits because he's not going to be one of those the, one of those exorbitant contracts. He's a guy who's twenty eight. He'll be twenty nine. Uh, when the season starts, so he's not. He's not. Uh, he's probably entering his prime. He's probably getting toward the the back end of the prime at 29 years old. So, price will reflect that.
0: And I think we laid it out too. I mean, we haven't even talked about. Hey, what could they add on offense? But defense feels like it's the priority. Even Without if question. the scheme was bad last year, they underachieve. Well, they need to upgrade their talent. Maybe uh, at all three position groups. You're talking about D line perhaps cornerback at one spot, definitely linebacker because you don't have anyone signed. So this is all just kind of a focus on the defensive side of the ball. And and you look through and say, yeah, I think one way or another, the Seahawks are going to have to get someone of impact. Uchenna Nwosu coming back from injury, if he's the same guy he was, that will also help. But to help out Mike McDonald, to give him something close to what he was working with in Baltimore, hey, go out and get someone, whether it is giving up something that makes it difficult to part ways within a trade or the more likely path of signing a free agent. So it will be interesting because if you're the Seahawks, what position would you focus on? I mean, is it the internal free agents of, hey, we have to sign some linebackers of our own first?
1: Well, linebacker to me is the most pressing. Even area. externally.
0: Just you got to go out and get a well, guy. Because, like, well,
1: because like Tranquil. I mean, they know what they want to do yeah. with the guys that are there. They, they're behind closed doors. They're saying, we love Devin Bush. We don't want Devin Bush back. We love Bobby. We don't want Bobby. They, they, they know what they want with those guys. But as we sit, you don't have any linebackers. You got John Radigan, with all due respect. <laughs> right? Not a starter, yeah. not a starter. Not I mean, a starter. He, and, and, uh, our guy, Nick Ballor. Yeah. He's, he's your special teams guy. He's a fullback. I know Dave says he's a good linebacker, but I think they need better than he's good. You need better than that. So right now that spot's empty as I see it. It's empty. Can those two guys can Radigan and Ballor play? Certainly they can. Is that your optimal situation? No, it is not. So I don't know what their plan is with, with Bush, Wagner, and, and, and Brooks, but as it sits, that's the most pressing area. And you're right. All of their, there'd be some spots on, on offense. I'd love to see, you know, if they could add to the line, certainly. Uh, but in terms of pressing needs, it's not on offense, man. I know we're, we're still getting Geno Techs coming in. Mm-hmm. So that feels pressing for a lot of people, we, but we can get back to that later in the show. Yeah. That that's, it's still an interesting one with me, but uh, to me, but yeah, in terms of we've got a hole, you don't, do you have a hole on offense? Do you do you have a spot where you're going? Uh, I don't know who occupies the spot. Well, I think you have a lot of uncertainty at offensive line. Not necessarily a hole, but, but you've got guys. You have on. You've got people there. Whether you think they're you can improve on that spot or not, or on that guy or not, that's a different conversation. You don't have a linebacker. Right. You literally don't. Yes. So again, all due respect to Ballore and Radigan, you don't have anybody there. So that's that's a big hole. You don't have that. You can say, well, Damian Lewis isn't the guy, but you have him there. If you want him there, you, you you don't have a hole. You got your tight ends. You got your running backs. You got your quarterback. We'll talk about, Gino. Uh, <laughs> you got your wide receivers and we can talk about whether you want to bring Tyler back or I guess people want to trade DK now, um, but you have people to occupy those spots. Whereas on defense, you're going, I don't know who the linebackers are. I don't know who, who are your edge guys? Is it, is it going to be good as new? Is he going to be what he was before? Is it going to be a diminished version of him? I don't know. Is Daryl Taylor going to be part of this moving forward? I have no idea. So to me, there are so many more questions on the defensive side of things.
0: I like that our disclaimer now has to be, we'll talk about Gino. Don't worry. What? <laughs> we got other things to talk about. We'll talk about Gino. That for yeah. some reason, it's just the biggest lightning rod. Anytime you bring up his name, you get, uh, you were reading them. You get half the texts that agree one way, half the texts
1: just vehemently disagree. So yeah, well, mm, the, it's, it's just What's weird to me is I was, I was there with him. I was one of these people going, Gino Smith, give me a break. There's a reason he's been a backup all these years. And I've moved on. I've advanced from that based on how he played, not the most recent season, but the season before that, started off house of fire. I'm going, I don't even know who this guy is. I never expected this from him. Yeah, he cooled off, and I I think you expected it. And we'll, we'll get into it, but there, there's a ton of text coming in <laughs> coming in on 5 uh, 5.30, on we'll talk about it then. Yeah, we'll get to it at 5.30. If you guys want to weigh in, feel free, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Uh, there was another guy who came very close to being named the Seahawks Offensive Coordinator. You're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, Mike Lefkoe in for Wyman. This is Seattle Sports on 710. scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial every afternoon at 4.45 with Wyman and Bob.
0: The Seahawks uh, announced their assistants today, actually seven of them. We'll, we'll talk about some of them still to be announced. Uh, apparently they're interviewing a guy from the Raiders for their quarterback coach, but their offensive coordinator is officially Ryan Grubb. Although Adam Schefter today on the Pat McAfee show said Eric Bieniemy came very close to being named the offensive coordinator in Seattle. You know, he was up for a few different roles. First of all, he interviewed for the head coaching job in Washington. There were there were offensive coordinator jobs that he was very quietly involved with uh, that ultimately he didn't get in the end. Where? And so, what's that? Where? Uh, well, I think he was a candidate in Seattle for one to begin with. Okay, that came down to the end there.
1: McAfee's got a weird voice. Where? <laughs> Where? Very abrasive. Definitely. Yeah, just. Ah. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting because Bienemy is—I uh, mean, he's had a ton of su- success in Kansas City. Uh, but we we played those clips from a player, LaShawn McCoy, saying he, it wasn't him. It was all Andy Reid. He didn't say anything. That guy's dog cussing everybody, and he doesn't. So I don't know. Uh, who knows? I'm I'm guessing the truth lies somewhere in between. But yeah,
0: talk to a guy in Washington too. That Commanders beat writer. Yeah, he had lukewarm things to say, but not yeah. uh,
1: overly resounding. Not, not a lot of praise. Nah. So I'm 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 kind of. Based on hearing those things, I was kind of like, all right, I'm kind of glad it's not, not him. You're getting a guy who nobody knows what to expect. You know what he was at the college level, but we have no idea at the pro level. Does it translate? Maybe he excels. Maybe he's maybe he's a, a, a young McVay. Maybe he's one of these guys that people are going to be looking at as a head coaching candidate two years from now. So I kind of like the unknown. I like that they took a hard left turn and said, no, we're going, we're going brand new. We're going young. We're going fresh. No- bad habits if you will no no resume or baggage uh, more importantly i guess is the proper way of saying it with the, with the guys they've got so i like it yeah we did forget to get
0: shannon's thoughts on ryan grubb i'm <laughs> sure she was thrilled that he got pulled away from kalen de yeah because I, it's all just the, the kalen boer kalen de hate yeah for you know most is that, is that, is that yes. what that is yeah mm-hmm. yeah take misery and people suffering as Take mess oh, enjoy when people suffering dime, right? yeah Take, to take misery take in people's suffering. Take pleasure in their misery or yeah. suffering, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We knew what exactly. you meant. Matt was taking pleasure in my suffering over here. Yeah, he likes that. Uh, always do. So you guys played a couple of cuts from Robbie Ray on the Foul Territory podcast. This was another one kind of detailing maybe a little bit of the nuance of his contract. So he had an initial trade, no trade clause, and then he talked to these guys in that podcast about then realizing that the Mariners would probably eventually trade him.
1: Yeah, I think for me it was a little bit of uh, just want some stability uh wanting stability for my family and you know just knowing that we were going to be in one place for more than just a year so you know for me and my family to have that stability but understanding that you know once that two years was up that there was a very good chance that i'd be out of there I wish him well. I know I know people have a lot of ill feelings about him based on what happened against Houston and we played that cut earlier about Paul Seawald sort of saying I'm the one that put you in that position, you know, putting putting it on him. Um Robbie Ray was he was a good dude to talk to. He was he was uh, I think a solid pitcher. I was really excited to see what he was going to be last year based on what we saw when we were out there at spring training watching him. It was kind of I mean he looked different physically. His velocity was crazy. Everybody was raving about, look at what he's doing. The grunts were louder. Yeah. I mean, it just, everybody was really fired up about what to expect from him. And then, boom, the the injury. Well, I think that more than anything. Kind of hurt the
0: perception of Robbie Ray because your lingering memories of Robbie Ray are that home run yeah. and then him getting hurt in his first start. So that's yeah. all you have. That's all you had. Or two negative memories to end his tenure here. So it is unfortunate, but uh, hope he has success elsewhere as yeah, long as I'll it's never against him. the Mariners. So yeah, that's
1: that's the caveat. I'll I'll root for him to, just like Paul Seawald. Man, I want Paul Seawald to succeed every time he's on the hill, unless it's against the Mariners.
0: Sweeping the dial. Patrick Mahomes was on uh, NFL Network last night, live from—I don't know if it's Disney World
1: or Disneyland. He was at one of them as the backdrop. He was there, though. He was there. I saw him on some show, and it looked like a fake background. Like, he was sitting in front of one of the castles. something. Right. That was on NFL Network.
0: He was there because they fly the MVP out to, I, you know, I know sometimes. They go, I assume it was Disneyland because they were in Vegas, so probably closer to go to the West Coast. But, yeah, so during that interview with NFL Network, they asked him about Tom Brady, and Mahomes said, yeah, obviously the goal is at least seven rings.
1: Have you ever mentioned, Patrick, to Tom Brady that, like, it seems like you're singularly focused to getting to seven or
0: to getting to eight, and that that kind of drives you. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than just me trying to be the best that I can be. I don't want to have any regrets at the end of my career. Um, and I know how great of an organization, how great of a coach, tight end players that I have around me, and I don't want to let that let that slide by. I want to make sure I maximize my opportunities. And obviously the goal is, is always seven. It's always to try to get as much as you can. Um, and so all I can do is just try to maximize my opportunities every single day, continue to work to be to be better, uh, not only for myself, but for my team. Um, and we'll see what happens at the end of my career.
1: I feel like it's kind of an unfair expectation. I mean, seven. So I understand he's 28. He's got three. But there, it's just, it, he makes it look easier than it. I think it is. And and we've talked about all of the uh, roster decisions they've got to make with some really key players, and maybe they're just not going to be in a financial position to, to keep some of these guys, and maybe they won't be as good. I don't, I don't know. I mean, just the idea that he's going to win seven. It's not, and to me, it's, it won't be about his inability or his lack of talent. He's not as good as Brady. I think probably just technically speaking, he's he's got a better arm than Brady. He's clearly more mobile. He's a clutch guy, but there's a lot that has to happen around you that that has to be right as well. So he's not it's not solely on him to win seven. He's got he's to have the cast, and I don't know how easy that's going to be moving forward. Well, I wish I remember who made this comparison, and
0: it jumped out to me as really the most apt one so far, and not apples to apples because golf is an individual sport, but The comparison was made that right now, Mahomes is Tiger Woods. That at this stage in his career, it's obvious that if he continues on this trajectory, he's going to pass Brady. You know, Mm. Woods was going to obviously pass Jack Nicklaus. There was no way he was not going to. He's going to be the greatest of all time with titles until, you know, things happen. And then he never got close because of a series of escalating events. So right now... At this current pace, yes, it feels like Mahomes certainly is within reach and could pass Tom Brady, but there's a big difference between 3 and 7 and a lot that needs to go right. So I'll put it right there, that Mahomes has the potential to be the greatest of all time if he continues on this path, but it's by far certain. I wouldn't say Tiger didn't get close. What did Jack have, 18? And Tiger has like, what, 14 or 15? 15? Yeah pretty damn close. Yeah, but not as close as he got, what, like 12 right away, and well, then just yeah. years and years and years, and finally got one, and then... Yeah, and, and listen... He should have shattered it. I mean, there's... He should have shattered it with the rate he was on.
1: You'd think, and then the car accident mm-hmm. and everything else that went on, but it, the... Uh, I don't know. It, it's... I mean, Mahomes may never get to another one again. You don't know. Dan Marino got to one right out of the gates and never went back. He's considered one of the greatest to ever played that position. It's just... it's It's just... You know, your, your greatness as an individual doesn't necessarily dictate that you're going to be in the promised land every single season or ever again, for that matter. It's just it's unfortunate, but that's the way that you can look at it in any sport, whether it's, you know, Charles Barkley in the NBA or Patrick Ewing or sometimes being individually great isn't enough. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. There is a lot going on in the NFL, college football, all of that. We'll talk about it all with El Hombre. Michael Bradley, he joins us next here. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.